Congregation, with the Lord's help this morning, we will consider John chapter 10 and verse 27 will be our text. John chapter 10, verse 27. Before I get there, I think it's helpful to, and necessary in this case, to, to set the context. Where are we in this part of God's word? In John, the, the gospel according to John, as, a, as many of you probably know, is directed towards proving that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus is the Son of God. And so, to that end, John focuses in a special way on the words and the works, especially the miracles of Jesus that prove that Jesus is the Son of God. And in John chapter 9, chapter before 10, where we are now, in John chapter 9, we see a special miracle where Jesus opens the eyes of one that was born blind. Jesus says first that I am the light of the world, then he opens the eyes of someone who was born blind, something that had never happened before. And that miracle caused a great debate, a great, a great division among the Jews. You see that throughout John chapter 9. The Pharisees are very upset. The Pharisees are wondering, could this be the Christ? And other ones say, no, this, this is a man that has a devil. This cannot be Christ. And they interview the blind man, they interview his parents, they debate with each other, and they ask Jesus more than once, are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? And that debate spills over into John chapter 10. And you see in John chapter 10 that they ask him again, are you the Christ? And when we get to our verse, or close to our verse, in verse 25, Jesus responds to them. So in verse 24, they says the Jews came again, they came around about him and said, how long do you make us to doubt? Tell us plainly, art thou the Christ? And in verse 25, you see Jesus answers them and he says, I told you, I've already told you, but you did not believe. And in verse 26, he tells them why they did not believe. In verse 26, he says, you believe, ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. And then we come to our text verse, in which Jesus describes his sheep, as the things that make his sheep unique. And this is our text, John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So under the theme of the sheep of the good shepherd, We will hear what the Lord is saying in John 10, verse 27. The sheep of the good shepherd. And there will be three points. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. The sheep are known by the shepherd. And the sheep follow the shepherd. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. The sheep are known by the shepherd. And the sheep follow the shepherd. But before I get to my first point, I have a story for the children that I think will help you understand this. If you can follow this story and pay attention, keep that story in mind while we go through the chapter, or the the verse, I think it'll help you understand the verse a little bit better. About 200 years ago, there was a man who visited Israel. And while he was there, he saw a herd of sheep. And today, if you drive through America and you you see sheep in a field, Usually they're in a nice fenced off area. And the sheep in that field, in that nice fenced off field, they belong to one shepherd. Those are his sheep and you cannot go into his field and the sheep can't get out of his field. But back in Israel and and still today in some parts of the world, sheep don't belong, don't live in a nice little field. But rather a shepherd had to take the sheep and lead them day by day to find food. And at night, the shepherd had to find a way to keep his sheep safe. And so what they did is they built these things called sheep folds. You read about sheep folds in the Bible quite often. And that's usually a stone walled in area. They built stone wall, there was a door, and the shepherd would bring his sheep in to to the fold, and usually they would sleep in the doorway at night. And that way they would be safe from the wild animals. 
But because there weren't many of these folds, usually many shepherds would bring their sheep into one fold. So about 200 years ago when this man was visiting Israel, he saw this. A shepherd and many shepherds brought their sheep into one fold. And in the morning, it was a mess. The sheep were all intermingled. And there was all sorts of noise and it was hard to tell whose sheep belonged to who. And the man wondered, how is any shepherd going to find his sheep from this fold? And he said it was an amazing thing. What happened is one shepherd went to that door and he called to his sheep. And his sheep, and only his sheep, lifted up their heads. They looked at their shepherd and they followed him. They followed him out of the fold and into the field. So now when you think about that with this verse, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's a picture of of what we'll be talking about today. The sheep that hear the voice of their shepherd and they follow him out. So with our first point, it comes from that first phrase in the text. My sheep hear my voice. First point is hearing the voice of the shepherd. And if you hear the voice of the shepherd, maybe this is a basic point, but it implies that the shepherd is speaking. And the shepherd speaks. Let's keep in mind who the shepherd is. The shepherd, the good shepherd, is Jesus, as he says in our chapter. The Lord, Jesus, the Lord speaks. You see that in creation. You can look up, you can think of Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. You can look up at a starry night, children, and you can see you can see the stars and the skies and the heavens, and you cannot but realize that there is a God that created all of this. So Paul says in Romans that even the heathen who never hear, who never hear the Bible, have no excuse because they know just by creation that there must be a God. The Lord speaks through his creation. But he speaks much more importantly. Through his word. Through his word. And I wonder if each one of us see the value of that. I think it's very easy to take it for granted. We have more copies of God's word sometimes than we we even use. And yet, imagine if you'd never heard God's word. Imagine if for the first time you heard that this God whom you know must exist just by looking above is spoken and he's put it in a book. I think you would give nearly everything you had to go find that book and to read what he has to say. And that is the response that thousands and indeed over the centuries probably millions of people have had. And thousands, tens of thousands of people have died that we might be able to hear the Lord speak through this book today. It's such a treasure that we have this. And the Lord speaks through it. He speaks Generally, he speaks to all of us every time it is read, but he speaks personally. He's speaking to each one of us, each one of you, as you open his word, as you hear his word preached, as you read it, even at the dinner table. He's not just speaking generally. He's speaking to us, speaking to me individually. You think of Proverbs 3, 5 5 to 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That word thy, that old English word thy, is a singular word. It's not, I'm speaking to all of you, I'm speaking to thee personally. He directs thy paths. But how could he direct our paths if he did not speak to us as individuals? He speaks to us personally. So then as we stand here this morning and we're sitting, or we're sitting in this church, the Lord's word is open before us. And he's speaking, he's speaking Let us pray that we would hear it, that we wouldn't just hear a man talking in a pulpit, that we would hear him, that we would hear his voice, because he's speaking to us this morning. Let us not ignore it. Let us not ignore it. His sheep hear his voice. That's what we read in our text, my sheep hear my voice. But remember, Jesus is speaking, and he's telling the Pharisees, you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. But you might think, didn't the Pharisees hear his voice? Jesus was literally speaking to them. They literally heard his voice bounce off their eardrums. So how is it then that this is a special thing about Jesus' sheep, that my sheep hear my voice? 
Obviously, that word hear must mean something more than just the hearing with the ear. It has to mean something different. And I think sometimes you can see it yourself for yourselves, can't you? Sometimes you can hear God's word read or preached. Maybe children, if you've looked around ever during a service, sometimes you can see different reactions in this people hearing the exact same word. You can hear some, you'll see some people who are listening to God's word and they're quite clearly bored with it. In fact, sometimes they get annoyed by the one speaking or they'll sleep in church. And yet when you look around, sometimes you'll also see somebody with a totally different reaction. You'll see their face is just so intent on hearing what is being said. You can see their emotions churning inside as they hear the voice of their good shepherd. They're hanging on to every word because they know that they're hearing the voice of their beloved Savior. It's a different kind of hearing. The one is just hearing with his ears. The other is hearing in his heart. The other is hearing right here, not here, but in their heart. You can think of the, the difference being that with the one, they're just hearing and it's bouncing off, and the other one is hearing, and that word is mixed with faith in their heart. You read that in Hebrews 4, verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, the unbelieving hears. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. My sheep hear my voice. That means they believe it. They hear it. They know the one speaking and they believe it is his word for them personally. We cannot settle for a mere head knowledge. It's not enough just to hear his voice with our ears. We must hear it and believe it. And we have to be careful because there can be a tendency to make God's word all about these big dramatic experiences. Sometimes we, we, we feel like we're not really a true Christian unless God's word has leapt off the page or if there hasn't been some dramatic response produced in our heart. That can happen. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't also speak through that still, small voice. A steady, settled faith is as real as a faith that has been produced in a very dramatic way. We can't make the ground of our faith emotion. We can't make it anything other than what we read in God's word. And yet, on the other hand, let us not settle for some notion that God doesn't speak personally, powerfully, individually to us. His word isn't merely a book of principles. It's not a dead word. It's quick. It's living. He speaks with power, and he can make it felt in your heart. God's word says also in Hebrews 4, his word is quick, living, and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When the Lord speaks to you personally and you hear it, you believe it, it is mixed with faith, you will know it is the voice of your Lord speaking. His sheep will hear his voice. But sometimes I fear we don't hear it because we have such small thoughts of God. We don't expect him to always speak when we open his word. Maybe we open it in the morning or at night or or even when we come to church. Do we really believe that when we do these things, God is going to speak to us personally, that we are going to hear it? Sometimes I fear that we don't. We think that God isn't going to speak to us now or he's not going to speak to us in the way that we expect. We have these small thoughts of God. We just read his word and we go on about our day as if that this isn't God speaking to us when we read his word. Let us not have such small thoughts of God. The Lord delights in communion with his people. He says in the Song of Solomon, O my dove, let me hear thy voice. And here we read that his sheep will hear his voice. The Lord loves to have communion with his people. He loves to speak with his people and to hear their voices. Let us not doubt that the Lord is willing to have communion with us, that he will speak to us when we open his word. His sheep, my sheep, will hear my voice. 
There's another example in the Bible, children, of the parable of the sower. Another way of thinking about this. When the sower goes out, he casts seed. He throws it everywhere. That seed is the word of God. It's the voice of the Lord. Some of that seed, we read, falls on these pathways. And in, in Israel at the time, there weren't these nice fenced off fields like I talked about. There were these tilled fields kind of wherever, wherever they could find a place to, to grow food. But people would also walk right through these fields sometimes. They'd make a pathway right through the field if it was where they wanted to go. And on the pathway where people walk, the ground gets hard and packed. And when that seed hits it, when it hits hard ground, it just bounces off, bounces off. And then the birds come and they sweep it away. That's, that's somebody who's just hearing with their ear. That word bounces off the hard heart. And it sits there until a distraction comes along. And then it's gone. But when it's mixed with faith, when you hear it really with your heart, when you hear the word of God and believe it, that's like that seed that falls on the good soil. And it bears roots, it grows roots downward. And it bears fruit upward. It has an effect. My sheep will hear my voice. It isn't mysticism. It isn't unattainable to have a personal, experiential relationship with God. He wants to have that with us. We cannot settle for mere intellectual knowledge of God's word. It's not enough. We must come to know him. We must hear his voice. Maybe some say, I've never heard it. I don't know how to hear it. I don't know how to react to it. But remember, the power of hearing isn't in the ear here as it is in the one speaking. The voice of God is what will break through your hard heart. So let us pray. Let us pray even as you sit in your bench today. If you haven't ever heard the voice of the Lord speaking to you personally, or you haven't heard it in a long time, pray, Lord, speak, speak. He can do it in one word, in one sentence. The Lord can return and break through your hard heart. And let us pray that he would speak. His sheep hear his voice. One reason, one special thing we can learn here too is that his sheep know his voice. If you look at verse four in our chapter, you read, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth forth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They know his voice because they know the one speaking. They know him. And the one that you know, the one that you love, that person's voice has a much different effect on you than the voice of somebody you don't know. The difference really lies in the relationship. Do you know him or do you not? There are other voices. Let's be clear about that. You can even see that in verse five. A stranger will they not follow because they don't know the voice of the stranger. There are other voices in the sheepfold and there's other voices today. Our world is filled with noise. No matter what you do, you pick up your phone, you turn on the radio, you walk into any store or building and there's noise, there's TVs, there's apps on your phone that send you notifications, there's constant news, there's constant podcasts and noise, 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 everywhere you go. And that noise so often drowns out the voice of the Lord, doesn't it? But a sheep can only have one shepherd. No man can serve two masters. You either love the Lord as he is your shepherd or you serve something else. You serve someone else. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Whose voice are you listening to? Who has not just your attention, but your heart? You know, when you get on social media today, you can actually click on something that says, I want to follow this person or this account. And that's what everybody wants, isn't it? So all these voices want, when you hear them all around, they want you to listen and they want you to follow them. They want you to pay attention to them. And they're promising you something. They're promising you some kind of happiness, some kind of, some kind of joy. If you listen to me, you'll be happier somehow. You'll find entertainment or you'll find some kind of wellness at the end of it. But there's only one good shepherd. Every stranger, every hireling that comes to the sheep has a a bad purpose and it will lead to a bad end. 
and I speak especially to you young people, especially in your teens or your young adults, this world is full of attractions. And some of it seems so attractive. I know what it's like to look around and to see that world before you and think it just glitters as gold. It seems like if I do this, if I follow this kind of lifestyle, if I live like this person or that person, then I'll be happy. But it won't make you happy. There is one good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Every other shepherd, every other voice will just lead you to a place of misery. It won't end well. It won't end well. There's one good shepherd. And so if this world still holds so much of an attraction to you, if there's so much power out there that draws you to it, pray. Pray, Lord, make me hear thy voice. Break through this loud, noisy world. May I hear thy voice. My sheep hear my voice. The final point I want to make about that first phrase, my sheep hear my voice, is that word hear is in the present tense. That means something in Greek. In Greek, that's a very significant and unusual fact. It says it's ongoing. It's not just my sheep heard my voice once upon a time. It's my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. That means they hear it continually. It's not just once. Sheep, children, sheep are not particularly smart. They're not particularly strong either. If a sheep is left to himself in the wild, he won't survive long. He'll almost certainly be ripped apart by animals or he'll starve. A sheep needs to hear the voice of his shepherd, not just once, not just once a week. He needs to hear it every day. He needs to hear his, the shepherd's voice. He needs to follow that shepherd, as we'll talk more about in the third book. <clears throat> my sheep hear my voice. And we can't settle then for some notion that's good enough to hear God's voice once or twice or three times in our life. Not even once, once a month. A sheep couldn't survive once a month by hearing God's voice once a month, by hearing the shepherd's voice once a month. Neither can God's children. If we do not hear his voice continually, we will have a, not a it will be a miserable, a miserable existence. We must hear his voice daily. He longs to have that communion with us, as I said earlier. And he's teaching us here, my sheep hear my voice. Not once, not just someday. My sheep hear it here. They hear it now. They hear it continually. And again, I think sometimes it's our small thoughts of God that keep us from hearing it continually. My sheep must hear it regularly. We read that in John 10, verse 10. If you look at verse 10 of our chapter, he says, I am come that they might have life. And when we hear God's voice, even if it's for the first time, we will have life. The power is in the voice of the one speaking. And when he speaks to you, you will have life. I am come that they might have life. But keep reading through that verse. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Abundantly. Extraordinary. Surpassing the usual. I am come that they might have life abundantly. Jesus doesn't come to give us the bare minimum and moves along. Jesus comes to give us an abundance of life. He has an abundance of blessings stored up for his people. In him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything we need, everything we want, even more than we could imagine, is stored up with him. So let us pray that we would hear his voice and that we would hear it daily, that we would hear it and that we would be fed abundantly. He comes to lead his sheep into green pastures, to lead them beside the still waters. He causes their cup to overflow. Those are all the things we sang of from Psalm 23. This isn't just a one-time blessing. The Lord is here to speak, to lead. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? He gave his own son. He gave his own son that enemies might become his friends and that he could feed us and have a relationship with us that we could not have if he did not speak. But he that gave his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? It's there. It's available for us. 
says in verse 15 of our own chapter, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. He's willing to give us so much more than we can ever imagine. My sheep hear my voice. So let us pray. Again, as we go through this sermon, let us pray and listen for that voice because there is joy. I talked about the the joys this world tries to draw you away with, young people. There's so much more joy with him. Not just in heaven, but here. There's one minister that used to say there's more joy in the single tear of one of God's children than there is in everything this world has to offer. And he was 100% right. There is joy with him. So let us pray that we would know that joy, that we would hear his voice, that we would hear it continually. The second point flows right from our verse. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. So the second point is my sheep, the sheep are known by the shepherd. And when you first read through this verse, it seems a little bit out of place, doesn't it? My sheep hear my voice and the last clause is my sheep follow me. So you would think in the middle here it would say my sheep know me does it? It says, I know my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And let's be clear, it is necessary to know the good shepherd. Jesus says that as much in verse 14. He says it in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Knowing the Lord Jesus is absolutely essential. There is no salvation without knowing the Lord. You read the same thing in John 17, verse three. This is life eternal. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and him, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. We must know him. There's no other salvation. And we come to know him by faith. I talked earlier about faith being mixed in our heart with the word. We come to know the Lord Jesus by faith, and we must know him. That is the work of God, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We must know him. But as important as that faith is, it isn't the foundation of our salvation. It isn't. Faith is the channel through which Christ flows and all his benefits Or like the Belgic Confession says, faith is that empty hand which receives Christ. But it's not the empty hand that saves. It's not that channel through which Christ flows that saves. The foundation of our salvation lies not in our knowing God, although it's necessary. The foundation of our salvation lies in God knowing us. That's what matters. That's what matters. John 10 is not a mistake. You can think of Jeremiah. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. From all eternity, the Lord has known those that are his. And he comes in time to draw them out, to speak to them. And he saves them because he knows them. He knows them. Maybe some of you children ask, but doesn't the Lord know everybody? God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. So doesn't he already know everyone? Yes. But that must mean that the word know, again, is some kind of special meaning. Just like the word hear doesn't mean to hear with the ear. Just in the same way know doesn't mean just to know in a, in a general sense. It's a personal, intimate knowledge that the Lord has of his people. In verse 3 of our chapter, Jesus says he calls his own sheep by name. He knows them personally. It speaks of a loving, a loving knowledge, a loving relationship. I might say I know almost all of you, but when I say I know my son, it means something different, doesn't it? I know my son. I know him much better and much in a different way than I know you. And that's the same thing here. When the Lord says, I know my sheep, he knows them and it implies a special personal relationship that he has with his sheep. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 3. If any man Love God, the same is known of him. There is the source and the certainty of our salvation. For whom he did foreknow, 
he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What a comfort that is, isn't it, children of God? That our salvation does not depend on us. It doesn't even depend on our faith. It depends on him. If it was of us, if it required us to have faith or a strong faith or a steady faith, if it required us to know him of our own strength, I think we could all agree that there wouldn't be really any hope for us. But our salvation doesn't find its source here. The natural man is at enmity with God. But God, God knows them that are his. And he has loved you from all eternity and has drawn you unto himself here. It's like I said from Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. It speaks of this in our passage in verse 16 too. In verse 16, other sheep I have which are not of this fold and them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Other sheep I have, the Lord knows every one that are his. Even those of you today who are still rejecting him, he can draw you and he will draw you out of your sin if you are one of his. And he has done the same thing for any one of us. God's children can, aspect, can attest to this. It's like Arthur Pink said, A.W. Pink once said, truly God is no respecter of persons because God saved me. He knew. He knew that if it was up to him, it's just all sin. There's no love toward the Lord and the natural man. But what hope that brings then, doesn't it? Sometimes we can, we can get fatalistic. We can think, well, if I don't know the Lord and it depends on him, then that's what matters. But this is our greatest source of comfort, my friends, that the Lord knows us, that the Lord loves us, that no matter what sin we have drowned ourselves in, no matter what walls of unbelief we have put before before us, the Lord's faithfulness and love is greater than all of it. And he will speak to us. He will save his sheep. He will put that knowledge in your heart of the Lord Jesus Christ and he will save us. It's not only the source of our salvation but the certainty is also bound up with him. Our salvation is certain and secure because of this knowledge. Sometimes when you see your sin and your unbelief, it's hard to imagine that our salvation is secure. Sometimes it's so easy to doubt. Have I ever known the Lord when there's so much unbelief in my heart? Perhaps when you haven't heard his voice for so long, children of God, and you start to wonder, did he ever speak? My sin is so powerful. My doubts are so much stronger. And yet the fact is our salvation even then is not any less secure. Nevertheless, even in spite of all of that, nevertheless, The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. It's from 2 Timothy 2, 19. So if that describes you today, if you are faced and you're in a dark place, you're faced with doubts and temptations and fears, take comfort. Take comfort with this. The Lord knows them that are his. And therefore your salvation is secure. It is secure. Pray like David did. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, Lord. It's from Psalm 119. Don't make the mistake of thinking that he doesn't know your circumstances, that he doesn't know where you're at right now. He knows you better than you know yourself. He is omniscient. He's not a man who can forget those whom he once knew. The Lord knows his sheep. And that's when he speaks, When he speaks, as he said he will, he's speaking exactly what you need to hear. The Lord knows his sheep. And again, I want to point out that this word know, I know my sheep, is present tense. Again, in Greek, that means something. It's not not a one-time knowledge, as I have said. It's not just a future knowledge. It's ongoing. I know my sheep. He knows our every need, past, future, and current. And he's paying attention He knows our weaknesses. He knows our struggles. He knows our desires. But he neither slumber 
nor sleeps. His eye is always upon his children. It says in Isaiah, he asked, the Lord asks in Isaiah, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? It seems quite impossible, doesn't it, children, for a mother to forget their baby? Can a woman forget her baby? Yea, they may forget, says the Lord. Yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. The Lord knows his sheep. He cares for his sheep. He cannot forget. He will not forget. He is using a phrase here. I've engraven thy name on the palm of my hand. You could never forget somebody if you engrave their name on the palm of your hand. The Lord is speaking of the certainty he has. The certainty of our salvation is bound up with him. And what a comfort. What a comfort that is. And also, by the way, explains why the Pharisees didn't know the Lord Jesus. Remember, Jesus is explaining here. He says in verse 26, Ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. The Lord didn't know them, and they didn't know him. And so when they heard his voice, it meant nothing. They saw his works, it should have meant everything. But it meant nothing to them, because they did not know him. And what was left for them, other than what we read in Matthew, at the end times, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That can be a scary thing sometimes, but don't hide behind the fact. Don't use that as an excuse that God is the source and certainty of our salvation, to not seek him. He says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Think of Jesus as he wept over the city of Jerusalem. These are the people that would crucify him not long from then. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you like a hen gathered her chicks. I would have gathered you, but ye would not. The Lord is willing to save. The Lord is willing to speak, to have a relationship with us. But if we continue to reject him, and that is what we will hear, that is what we will hear, depart from me, that work iniquity. The Lord knows his sheep. And finally, the sheep follow the shepherd. That's our third point. I know my sheep, sorry, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. The sheep follow their shepherd. And again, I want to go straight to that same point. It's a present tense word. It's not my sheep followed me once. My sheep will follow me someday. It's my sheep follow me. It's ongoing. That word to follow actually comes from a word that means to walk the same road. My sheep follow me. They are my disciples. They walk the same road that I have walked. They cleave steadfastly to the Lord. Do you follow Jesus? Be honest with yourself. There's no point in, in hiding behind church attendance or, or Bible reading or anything else. The question is, do you follow Jesus? Ongoing. Not just when it's easy. Not just when it's pleasing to the flesh not just when it's the things you like to do or like to hear. Do you follow him no matter where he leads? My sheep follow me. It's so contrary. It's so against our human nature, isn't it? You think of Adam and Eve. What do they want to do other than be their own gods? To go their own way. It's so contrary to how we are born to give ourselves up wholly to follow God. But that's what he says his sheep do. And what has, that, what has that brought us, this desire to go our own way? Where has that led us, other than to this valley of tears, as our Heidelberg Catechism calls this earth? We've gone our own way, and it's led to misery. It's led to sin. It's led to pain. When you look around, this world is full of suffering and tears. What a blessing then, isn't it? That the Lord says, my sheep follow me. It wouldn't be possible it wouldn't be possible if he didn't speak, if he didn't know us and didn't restore us to those paths of righteousness. It is such a blessing that the Lord speaks and draws us out of ourselves. His sheep are led. His sheep are led by his voice. It's tied to our first point, really. Because where do the sheep know where to go other than when the Lord speaks? The shepherd speaks and the sheep follow. The sheep are led by his voice. John 10, verse four. When he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them, and they follow him, for they know his voice. 
The Lord leads by speaking. He tells his sheep where they need to go and what they must do. There's There's not an issue in life, especially young people, when you face all these decisions, where to go to college, what job to do, who to date, anything like that. Throughout your life, there's not a single thing, not a single decision you have to make where the Lord isn't willing to lead. The Lord cares where you walk. He cares where you go. He cares what you're doing. My sheep follow me. So pray then that the Lord would speak and that he would lead you. Let's be careful again. We, the Lord is not our servant. It's not as if we just have a decision to make and we utter a quick prayer and you know, the Lord all of a sudden makes a verse jump out at you. Although there are times where he does do that. We serve him. We come before him as the holy God, but also the God that is our good shepherd who is willing to lead us. He says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So let us come as humble, needy people and pray, Lord, direct my paths, direct my steps as thou hast promised to do. And don't stop praying. Don't stop praying just because you don't hear an answer right away. You read of, of Daniel who prayed and we read that as soon as he started praying, the Lord sent an angel to give him an answer. But if you look to Jeremiah's ministry, when Jeremiah was ministering to the remnant of people that were left behind after Babylon carried the rest away, the people came and said, pray to the Lord, ask him where we should go. Should we stay here in Judah or should we flee to Egypt? And it says Jeremiah prayed for 10 days before the Lord answered. The Lord doesn't always answer in the way we expect or in the way we want, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Lord will answer. He's promised it. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Whatever your question is, whatever your question is, there is an answer in some way that God can give. So let us always pray. Let us always pray that we would follow him. Even though there are times when this can be accompanied by great difficulty. Let us not shy away from difficulty. Jesus said we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny, him his, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The way of God can sometimes be a painful way to follow. Not because his yoke is heavy. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's the devil, it's the world, it's your own sinful flesh that makes that way hard. The devil and the world and your flesh will throw up every roadblock it can to make your way painful, to stop you from following your good shepherd. He'll raise up your friends, he can put your family in your way, he can take your job, he can take your health. You think about Job, he lost his, all his wealth, all his possessions, he lost his children, his friends came and accused him, and then his own dear wife at the end of it said, curse God and die. What was happening here? other than the devil, was doing everything he could to make sure Job didn't follow his good shepherd. And yet that doesn't stop God's sheep from following him. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives and he knows the way that I take. And you might ask, well, doesn't this contradict this idea that the way is joyful? But the joy isn't always in the particular path we follow. The joy is in the one with whom we walk. The joy is with this good shepherd. The joy is in knowing him and hearing his voice. It's why the disciples and apostles could sing in prison. Nothing that the devil can do, nothing this earth can put before you, nothing your family and your friends that don't know the Lord can stand in your way. Nothing compares to the joy of knowing the Lord Jesus. There is joy. And when you know him, you will follow him. My sheep will hear my voice I know them and they will follow me. Christ's sheep will follow. Not because of their own strength. Let us be clear about that. Our strength is not our own. Our strength is in the Lord. And therefore we will follow. Sometimes hesitatingly. Sometimes with boldness. Sometimes fearfully. Sometimes with tears. But we will follow because the Lord is our good shepherd. 
He says in verses 28 and 29 of our passage, which is right after our text, verses 28 and 29, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Our strength, our strength doesn't come from here. If you rely on your own strength, you'll quickly fall. But your strength, your strength is up there. There's a hymn. There's a uh, hymn that maybe many of you children know. And I'd like to read it for you that talks of this. It says, God hath not promised. Sky's always blue. Flower strewn pathways. All our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. God hath not promised that we shall not know toil and temptation, trouble and woe. He hath not told us we shall not bear many a burden, many a care. God hath not promised smooth roads and wide, swift, easy travel, needing no guide. Never a mountain, rocky and steep. Never a rivid, river, turbid and deep. But God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, and light for the way. Grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing kindness, and undying love. That's what God has promised. Undying love. Why would you not follow him? when there's so much joy there. He will draw you to himself and you will run after him, not unwillingly. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. He makes you willing. He fills your heart with love. He fills it with himself and you will follow him. And in the end, in the end, you will follow him home to a place of rest and peace. Even though it might go, even though it will go through the valley of the shadow of death, through the Jordan of death itself, you will ultimately be led to the place where he dwells. You read of that a couple of chapters later. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. John writes this book, and he also writes the last book in the Bible, children, the book of Revelation. And there's a, a scene that John is able to, to witness in heaven. He views 144,000 people praising the Lamb that is in heaven, having the Father's name written on their foreheads. And this is what he says of them. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits of God and to the Lamb. Look back, children of God. Look all the way the Lord has led you. I guess as most of you wouldn't expect to be here today. And by your own strength and your own power, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be listening to the Lord's word at all. Is it not miraculous that we are here today sitting under the word of God? There's not a person alive who can say that they are under the word of God because they are a good person somehow, because they deserved it. It is the Lord's work. Isn't the only explanation for us being here right now, found in our text. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Perhaps you object this whole passage is about God's sheep, and you say, I'm not one of them. I don't know the Lord. I've never heard his voice, not really. I've pushed it away. Whatever your objection might be, I don't know him. I'm not his sheep. And then this passage isn't about me. But look at John 10, verse 16. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. Why do you think you're in church today? Maybe you're here because you had to be, or maybe you're listening online, just out of custom, because you feel family pressure, whatever the reason might be. But have you ever considered today that you're hearing God's word because the Lord is seeking you Have you ever considered that you are that lost sheep whom the Lord is seeking? 
You, think, you read the same thing in Matthew 18, another parable. If a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and seek out the, that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that one sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. The Lord knows them that are his. And he's brought you here. Whether you want to be here or not, and whether you know it or not, whether you deny him entirely or not, you are hearing his voice because he wanted you to hear it. He's given you yet another chance. He's calling you to himself like that good shepherd calls his own sheep, even those that don't yet know him. He's calling you to himself. Don't turn away from it. Don't allow the voice of your unbelief to drown out the Lord's word. There will come a last call. There will come a last, chi- last time. A last time that that good shepherd gives you a chance to repent and to follow him. Don't turn away from it. He's so willing to save. You can read it in Isaiah 55. And with this I'll close. He says, incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Amen. Let us pray. Our good God and Father, Lord, we look to thee to do the work this morning. Lord, apply thine own word. We thank thee, Lord, for giving us thy word, for giving us yet an opportunity to have communion with thee, to have an opportunity to hear thy voice, to follow thee. Lord, break through unbelief and sin. Lord, help us all to hear thy voice. Lord, wilt thou cause each one of us to turn away from the things of this world, to turn away from self and from sin, from any other distraction, Lord, and to follow thee. So impossible, Lord, in our own strength. But thanks be to thee, Lord, we need not go in our own strength. Thou art our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And thou art greater than all. No man can pluck thy sheep out of thy hand. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst hold each one of us in thy hand, that thou wouldst draw us unto thyself and lead us through this dark world and afterwards receive us into glory. Lord, how we look to thee to do this work. And we pray that wouldst be with each one of us in the rest of this day. Bless the catechism classes. Bless the sermon tonight. Lord, please be with thy servants and be with thy sheep wherever they might be today. We ask this all for Jesus' sake. Amen.